This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide you, our listeners, the real facts, the real stats about our local market. You wouldn't go into a football game without a well-prepared game plan. Well, real estate is no different. You have to have a game plan and work with your realtor in um, in get, getting that going. Um, for today's show, we have a couple of guests here, and that is Sandy Darling. She is a... Um, director for the California Association of Realtors, treasurer of the Fresno Association of Realtors, starting yesterday, right? Right. <laughs> you, we haven't spent all our money yet. I'm working so, on it. <laughs> all right. And, um, also, and then also sales manager at Guarantee Real Estate. And then we have over here kind of a guy that he knows a little bit about radio, but actually knows a whole lot about the state of California, and that's Assemblyman Jim yeah. Patterson. <laughs> Wish I didn't know so much about the state. <laughs> <laughs> radio's okay, right? Yeah, radio's this fun. This is kind of fun. This is your 13th anniversary. That's right. Congratulations. 13 years. 13 years ago to this day, January 2nd, I was scared. <laughs> I mean, I had never done anything like this, and I actually listened to the podcast you could hear my voice cracking. I was scared. But I had three really good guests intentionally. I brought three people in who I knew could cover me if I went silent. <laughs> One of them was Sandy Darling. <laughs> so you have the uh, title of being our first guest. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It, and then we also had... Uh, uh, Doug Davis, who is a loan officer and knows everything about lending. And then we brought the guy. He was my backup. He was the guy I knew that if I totally froze, he could carry it for hours and hours and hours, even though it was a one-hour show. <laughs> and that was the late and great John Miller. Yeah, he, uh, he, was, he was a wonderful guy. Oh, yeah taught us a lot about the spirit of cooperation and what being a realtor is and how to negotiate and um, how how politicians can negotiate too. Finding common ground, communicate with the other side, you know, find out what's important to them, try to try to put something together. And, and that's how we do our real estate deals. Yeah, well, I, the, I, I actually think that uh, real estate is an example really of what I, I think um, is the best of free enterprise and fully informing one another. Uh, in other words, you are specialists. You have uh, uh, responsibilities both on the selling and uh, the buying side. And one of the things, and I had a broker's license for a lot of years, but one of the things I learned was this willing buyer, willing seller, fully informed of everything, right? I mean, that is what we do in uh, all kinds of, of, of uh, exchanges in a free economy. And, um, you know, free people in a free society in a free economy who enter into these uh, agreements, fully informed, uh, willing buyer, willing seller, and the transaction takes place. And you've heard me say this before. Um, 
you have a very special role, I think, in um, our families, our kids, uh, and their uh, desire to have a home. You You are those who facilitate the handing of that key from a house to the people who are going to turn it into a home. And so I, I just I appreciate everything you do. I've, I've said this before here on the show. Um, you know, all three of my kids uh, have homes, thank goodness. A lot of families are having, you know, difficulty with their, with their kids being able to afford the entry level. California has a housing shortage, all of those kinds of things. But our experience with realtors over the years has been wonderful. And, and uh, to see not only the joy that we experienced in our home, but but also being able to uh, see our kids uh, have that key and and what that means uh, not only the equity that it builds but a but a, a home a very special place and uh, I appreciate what you folks do very it, very much. It is really interesting um, the career that we've chosen um, to to help people. And I remember I got into it when I was 21 years old, mm. and I was just going to do it till I figured out what I wanted to do when I grew up. <laughs> and I know probably Sandy's thinking, well, he's never grown up. <laughs> but, but actually— Don, I, that's a good thing if you want to know the truth, <laughs> especially when you have grandbabies, yeah. and you, you and Deedee have a new one coming in 2021. That's right, they'll yeah. Ke- they'll keep you young. That'll be number three. Yeah. Um. But it's just such a good career because you're right. We we put together win-win transactions where the seller wins, the buyer wins, and it's they come into it like you say freely. That's the, the basis of our economy: uh, free decisions, fully informed, mm-hmm. and um, it's win-win. You know, Don, I'm thinking that um, if that same approach to things could be applied more at the state legislature, (laughs) you know, of people trying to to work things out together rather than just getting their own way or forwarding their own own agenda without considering the other uh, aspects of an agenda, um, I think we'd be in a lot better shape. And a lot of that goes to not having to take credit. And I'll give you a great example. Mm. We just did the Gerard Lozano Memorial Blood Drive mm-hmm. in the spirit of cooperation. We had other associations, other organizations all join in helping us do the, uh, this blood drive. Now, nobody took more credit than the other one. And there are some associations or groups that didn't participate or try as hard as others, but no names because yeah, it's, I, it's all yeah, the same. I have a uh, Ronald Reagan is a real political hero of mine, and I'm I am in public life because of Ronald Reagan. And um, there are two things that I have on my desk, and I and Sandy's seen them up up in Sacramento, that that are uh, uh, replicas of what he had on his desk. One was it can be done. Ronald Reagan had this spirit of accomplishment, that, and it was for the sake of the people and for the people that uh, that, that he cared about. That that was very obvious. But there was one other one, and, and it was a, a little plaque um, uh, that he had on his desk. Basically, it was a, a sort of a, a kind of a paperweight plaque, and it said, "A man will never know how far he can go in life if he doesn't care about who gets the credit." And uh, that was Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ronald Reagan spent, uh, you know, 20% of the time 
telling us, uh, uh, you know, that there are problems in the in government and and, and what uh, uh, needs to be fixed and needs to be changed. But he also then would pivot almost immediately to 80 percent of the time. He is inspiring us to imagine what we could be if. And I, th- I think you're right. Um, uh, I must tell you, I'm, I'm heading into the uh, what I think is my eighth year now. Um, I've got uh, four more years in a in a twelve year term, and then I'm then I'm termed out. I I think the disappointment for me is to go to Sacramento w- with um, a high regard for the institutions of of public life and for what you know people can do uh, for each other and on behalf of the constituents they serve, and to be enmeshed in a legislature of uh, egos and political. Uh, winners, losers, and to see what goes on on the inside. And what goes on on the inside is the worst of, of, of personal um, choices, decision-making. I mean, it, it is, it, 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 they're looking out for, for their, their own backyard. Uh, th- they have ideological points of view that they don't really care whether they hurt people or not. They are going to do them no matter what. And unfortunately, we have now in the state of California uh, a one-party rule that increasingly is telling us they're doing things for us when, in fact, they're doing things to us. And unfortunately, I don't know how that pendulum is going to swing, but I will tell you one of the most significant players in Sacramento to try and get people to pay attention not to themselves, not to their ideology, but to the people that they serve are the realtors. You are powerful in Sacramento. You have a huge presence. Your, your folks are first rate when they, when, when they advise us on, on what we need to do and, and how, what we need to understand. And the reality is that you are the most front-facing uh, entrepreneurs in the state of California because you are doing these kinds of transactions all the time with real-life people with real-life circumstances. And you see the result fully informed, looking out for each other and getting the, the, the job done. And look what happens. People get homes and good things happen. I just really wish that that, that we would see ourselves as uh, servant leaders rather than politicians who each have our own little enterprise and we're going to win at all costs and we're going to force others to lose. Uh, that, that just to me is the wrong approach. And unfortunately, California, I think, is suffering from this. I have a question, though. So how the state of California is large, it's diverse. So you're representing a a portion of central California. So let's say something's on the table. You know that this is good for central California, but maybe not so good for the state as a whole. How how does an elected official handle that? Sure. Well, and of course, I'm thinking vice versa. (laughs) I, I would say this. Whatever uh, is good for Central California is good for California. And I want you to think about that. There is no, um, you know, we win, you lose circumstance. When we do the right thing for public safety, the entire state uh, wins. When we do the right thing for economics and for free people, free society to, to thrive, when we decide that regulation is going to be limited for health safety purposes, but not regulation for the sake of controlling you know, other people and making them do the kinds of things that we want them to do. When we have water issues that we can solve, it not only helps Central California, but it helps the entire state. 
We are interconnected in ways that, I mean, we have highways that interconnect us. We have an, uh, we have a, a, a water system that takes water from Northern California, disperses it throughout the, the state of California. We have had all of these um, infrastructure and policy decisions that were made over the years that bound California together and, and caused California to be uh, a leader. And unfortunately, I have seen over the last decade, maybe we're going on almost 20 years, of a kind of politics that does not see us as regions that well, when we do one thing well for one region, we're doing it for, for us all. And we are, we are seeing every single uh, trustworthy uh, institution and achievement in the state of California beginning to start to crumble. In other words, our water infrastructure is in fact falling apart. We are told we got to use less water, but we're going to pay more for it. Our roads and our highways, we pay high gas taxes, and yet we are seeing that California ranks the lowest in, in uh, the uh, maintenance of, it, of its highways in, in, in every survey. Um, we talk about the fact that we want criminal justice reform, and yet what do we do? We let people out of prison. Our crime rates are spiking. The, the city of Fresno this year had 75 homicides. When I left office in 2001, we had 24 homicides. All right, so the, the, an awful lot of what California became is now being unraveled by a political system that, in my judgment, looks out for itself and says it cares for people, but the actual uh, legislation, the regulatory systems, they make it more and more difficult. And I will say this, look at the results. The results, California last year did not have a population increase. We actually lost population the, and, the popu and, the, and, and, the, and, and we have people leaving. Uh, uh, not just major companies. Um, Tesla's taking its headquarters out of the state of California. Hewlett Packard's taking it, it out of the state of California. Uh, we have a middle-class exodus from California to other places. We're hollowing out the middle class. California used to be the place where the middle class could, could come, uh, in, enjoy the opportunities and the freedoms, and to rise. And now California is a place where the middle class is struggling and is, and, and is being essentially pushed out to other states. That is an indictment, I think, with respect to the political involvement uh, of uh, politicians uh, who, frankly, don't have a history or, or enough experience or personal experience in real life, uh, they get elected and they, and they go up and, and they play like kindergartners. And when we get back from this commercial break, I have a statistic that's going to back you up on that uh, about the exodus uh, of homeowners from mm. the state mm. of California. But now let's go to our first commercial break, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. And let it be Christmas everywhere. Let Welcome back. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. We have Sandy Darling of Guarantee Real Estate here and Assemblyman Jim Patterson here. And what are we doing listening to Christmas music? Well, I'm not ready to let it go. <laughs> yeah, Sharon will not take the Christmas decorations down until February. <laughs> she, she, you know, you know, Sharon, you know, right? I mean, she and Dee Dee does. She loves Christmas at October, 
the Christmas decorations start coming out. <laughs> it's serious. <laughs> the pumpkins give way to the Christmas trees and all that. I it, so it, you know you, if you came in our house today, you would think that Christmas was tomorrow. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so, but she loves it, and I love her for loving it. Yeah, <laughs> it, and it is a special time of the year because it's about giving and sharing and, and families and and homes. Now, let's talk about homes. I've got some statistics that are fresh out of the California Association of Realtors. Um, Here's an interesting one. The share of investor buyers was the lowest since 2001. It dropped to 6%. um, Excuse me, 8.1%. What could that be? Why would investment property not be selling as much as it was well let's see in 2013 it was double that well i have a thought or two Uh, the state legislature has put into effect some very restrictive um, laws with regards to landlords and tenants and um, i think a lot of investors are holding holding firm on adding to their (coughs) excuse me their portfolios because mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, yeah. So a- as an investor myself, it scares me a little bit. It's like, whoa, well, what, what if the state yeah, took these from me? No, this is, but, but this is this is Economics 101. Um, people have an enlightened self-interest, and they will take a look at the best opportunity uh, to uh, have uh, a, su- a, su- a successful, <laughs> what's going on this morning? <laughs> You're choking and I'm stuttering. <laughs> what's gonna, this is gonna, this is gonna be. <laughs> and for once, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, look, uh, people are taking a look at the state of California and asking themselves, is this a place that I want to risk? If we shut down the risk and reward continuum, we lose. And that's what California and this legislature and, frankly, this governor is doing. They, they think they know best, but in reality, they are brick by brick deconstructing the state of California as an opportunity state. That, that's actually happening right in front of our eyes. And the statistics you quote, other statistics I see from the finance department of the state, the flight of the middle class, it... it and, and what what bothers me is that you have these conversations with the legislature, you have these conversations with the governor's office, they don't admit it. They basically say, well, it's not true. And, 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 and what else they say? Well, good and riddance. We don't want those folks in California anyway. If they're not up to our standards, then we want them to leave anyway. Mm-hmm. Shame on them. And, and yeah. that's the reality of where California is right now. Wow. Now, you said Economics 101 – and I think part of uh, another reason for the decline in investor buyers, it, it certainly is the fear of re- overregulation, but also economics. A lot of them are getting outbid. When there's five, 10, 20 offers on one house, more than likely the owner occupant is able and willing to pay more. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the next statistic that came out. So the share of first time homebuyers spiked in the summer and reached the highest level in 10 years. And that is 
2.4%. So, wow, over a third of the buyers out there are first-time home buyers. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. It's a good thing for our community. It's a good thing for our economy. And it's a good thing for trying to find some ways to rebuild the middle class that is exodusing from California um, because we've got these statistics going on where people are actually coming in and becoming homeowners for the first time. One of the questions I wanted to ask you when I was thinking about driving when driving in here and thinking, so what what do I want to uh, ask uh, the experts about? You mean Sandy? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, right. Uh, so... <laughs> What do you think is the is the reason for this? I, I will tell you my biggest concern. Up until this period of time, and I think it's with this year or this COVID or whatever's going on now, um, entry-level housing was priced out of the realm of possibility for an awful lot of people. And the experiences that we had in our family and acquaintances was that Sharon and I, we were married, and two years after we were married, we acquired our first home. Our kids had to wait almost a decade. I mean, that's eight years of lost equity. So we've got a, a good amount of first-time home buyers, which I think is a really good thing. Do you have an explanation or an understanding of why that is? Because you would think that if you have a, a large number of renters who are making offers on homes and that, uh, you know, you have these... Uh, uh, you know, the prices are are bid upwards. What do you think is at, at the heart? I, we need to understand the good part of that so that, frankly, the state of California can recognize it and do the things that help that to uh, continue, but also resist the temptation to legislate in certain ways that stops or retards that particular growth. To me, that is the key to successful uh, home ownership is the entry level homeowner who has the equity then to sell it later, sell it, turn it over into another house that's larger or bigger, meets their needs. And, and that cycle goes on. That's a great, important cycle. Help me under, as a layman understand what's going on here. It, well, it, it, it really shouldn't be that robust, should it? And yes, and yet it is. Is it the moment we are in or are there trends that we need to recognize and help to foster at the California legislature? Well, a couple of things come to my mind. And one is that, of course, we've lost affordability in the state. And, of course, our area is still one of the most affordable, but our values and prices have been increasing. And, of course, some of the 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 builders are, are re <clears throat> having requirements that are adding to the cost of new house, new construction for sure, such as you have to have solar on every new home. Well, that's adding considerable cost to the home. At the same time, however, the federal government is it has situated the interest rate picture that makes uh, an even more expensive home more affordable because the payments are lower when we're sitting under 3% for a 30-year fixed rate loan. That's just a, a historical low. So it's helping to offset the pricing increase and making at least giving some more affordability mm. for entry-level really buyers. I, I, Sharon and I actually have lived this. We have a small amount owed, owed on our home. 
And we refinanced at two point something. Right. And we have a payment on 3,000 square feet <laughs> in a nice neighborhood in Fresno that is probably half what a apartment rental would be. And we, the reason we made that decision was we moved out of, I think, about a 5 or 6% note into a two-point-something note for a small balance. You know what? We are in, you know, we're, we're, we're into our early 70s. What you just outlined is a reason why people like us are able to stay in our home that too. and afford it when a lot of people are saying, well, the cost of maintenance, all, I got to downsize. We'd made the decision not to downsize because our kids said, if you downsize, well, what are we going to do for Christmas and holidays and all of that? You're right. You're right. The mitigation on that is if you look at principal interest and insurance, and if you can afford it, make the deal. Make the deal. Maybe that's what's at, at, maybe that's what's working out here. I know why you can't downsize. Where would your wife put all the Christmas <laughs> decorations? Because that's the problem I'm having. <laughs> hey, with that, we do have to go to a commercial break. But when we get back, I want to give you my take on your question. All right. Uh, stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio we have Assemblyman Jim Patterson with us. Good morning again. Good morning. And we also have Sandy Darling, sales manager and a director with the Association of Realtors here. Good morning. Good morning. And, and uh, she is my direct contact with what I need to know and understand with respect to realtors up in Sacramento. And I'm just going to tell you, when... When Sandy sends me a text and says, support this, I support it. Yeah. <laughs> when Sandy well, sends me a text and says, we don't like this, I don't like it either. Uh, so, now, Sandy, I does all this <laughs> come from your own personal decision, or are you getting uh, help? Oh, on no. It? Oh, no. This is, this, this this is, is the, the California yep. Association this of Realtors' yeah. position about something. But I will say, he says that, but he wants a full explanation of why. And I think that makes sense. We're always happy to, to well, I, shed yeah, light on yeah, something yeah. in terms of what's going on with it. I, I, learned, I learned that as mayor, um, and I've taken it to Sacramento. Uh, you've got to dig into all of the details. Um, and if you understand the details and you do a really thorough, deep analysis, you can make a very good decision up front. But that decision demonstrates uh, long-lasting wisdom years down the road right if your analysis is right and if you're careful and thoughtful and you dig deep and you dismiss the unintended consequences you understand them and then you make a decision you're pretty much assured that it was the right kind of decision we take a little bit longer to make a choice don't we than most well, offices and this is one of the but things we dig that into I, it. this is one of the things i respect the most about you jim is that really now i well, learned I, something I, all, all i'm telling you is that uh, i appreciate that very much sandy but um <laughs> an awful lot of times I make a decision because I'm afraid of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm but, kidding. But, but she is so strong and she is so thorough and she is so direct. And not only do I appreciate the advice that uh, I get from Sandy, I know that it is advice from, from realtors across our area and the state. 
but you do it in a way um, that I really appreciate, and um, I respect you deeply, and I'm so grateful that you're there, and you know how often I've called and said, oh, Sandy, I've got this thing. I've got to vote on this tomorrow. you got to tell me, and when you do, I get it, and I understand it, and it really helps me to make that final choice whether to put the push the red button or the green button. <laughs> well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate that, too. Now, something I learned from you, Jim, several years ago, we were at your office uh, talking to you about several bills, and you said that you put every bill through four different lenses, and that's how you analyze something. You know, it's, it's got to pass the budget thing. I mean, high-speed rail was, was a in theory, a great idea, well, yeah. but it didn't pass the budget one. You yeah. can't spend more money than you have. And, and um, uh, Yeah, it, it is a, I, I talk about it in terms of a governing lens. In other words, you look at uh, your responsibility in, in public life, and you have to have a governing lens. And my governing lens is that free people in a free society, in a free economy, can make decisions on their own that is far better for everybody than what government can do when they regulate, confiscate, and redistribute. Uh, another governing lens is that, and then this is basically fundamental to uh, our founders and fundamental to our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, that government which governs least governs best. In other words, that, that I mean, that's Jeffersonian. That, that, those are the words of, of Thomas Jefferson. And that free people in a free society and a free economy who are, and this is key, educated. And I am very concerned about the education system that is basically dumbing down an awful lot of our young people. This is a big concern. But if you study, you know, to show yourself, this is a Bible verse, but if you study to show yourself uh, 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 prepared and, and not, not to be uh, uh, afraid of making a, 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 de- a decision or a choice. I mean, that, that's, that's basically uh, advice that the Apostle Paul gave gave to uh, Timothy, show yourself approved, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's very, very good public policy. Study, show yourself approved, go down and dig into what is it's really all about. And then you've got to ask yourself the question, how much unintended consequence lies in the middle of all of this? What looks like a fairly benign law, if you look into the details, sooner or later you find out what they're really getting at. And that unintended consequence can be uh, damaging. So all of that. Now, all of that leads to a slower, more deliberative process of determining. I mean, a lot of politicians look at who supports, who opposes, who gave them a contribution and who didn't. I mean, that to me, that is just telling themselves one way or the other. I'm, 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 just, I'm just plain bought, right? Mm-hmm. And that, to me, uh, you know, I'd throw a politician out that's, that's bought. I want somebody who's honest and who's going to explain to me why they said did something that I disagreed with. And oftentimes, deep down in that analysis, you find out that there there is oftentimes hidden in legislation the poison pills that really are the consequences that you've got to avoid. It's just being careful. We hold enormous power. I am one of 3,000 individuals who have served in the California legislature since the founding of the state of California, 3,000. Wow. And you think about it, that. I would have it, thought that number was much larger yeah. than it, that. It, it, yeah. might be, it, might be close, it might be close to 4,000, but over the history. That's because we haven't had term limits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Whether you think term limits 
you know, a good, good, bad, or, or uh, otherwise. She just set me up for that, Jim. So I, <laughs> I had to deliver. You know what, and what? Yeah, and look, I, you know, we're, we 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 now serve in a twelve year uh, term limit environment up in Sacramento, and I think that's a, a pretty good, uh, pretty good balance. Twelve year, years gives you the opportunity to uh, really learn. And I, I look, I mean, we really do need people who are up there for all the right reasons, and we need people who are willing to say, "I'm going to study this." and be an expert on it. I have, for the eight years, I've been the vice chair of utility and energy. If you want to talk about the energy circumstance in the state of California, I think I'm a pretty good uh, individual to talk about. I think we are headed towards some serious problems with respect to our electricity, our energy, those kinds of things. But also, you know, you you, you have to be willing to, to dig deep and understand these things and in, 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 in some degree of context. If you just stick your wetted finger into the wind and try to figure out which way the political wind blows nine times out of 10, you're going to make a bad decision. You've got to step it back and you've got to say, there's got to be something more here than I am seeing at the outset. And pretty soon you start to see the unintended consequences. And it becomes then a very easy decision to say yes to something that you vetted and you recognize this is really good or to say, no, this has unintended consequences that are very, very uh, concerning. And I think it deserves a no vote. Well, you might be the right guy to ask then. <laughs> why, why is it that our utilities are so much higher than other states? And I hear things about the, the grid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what would be a, well, a simple to, answer that well, I can I, understand? I, I, uh, supply, supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fundamental. Uh, we have a grid that has been politicized. Uh, the ruling power in uh, in Sacramento says we're going to run a 21st century economy on wind and solar. I'm sorry, you can't do that. We have to have base load energy, which comes from natural gas, to keep the lights on. Uh, at at the same time that we are eliminating uh, natural gas, that there's this war on uh, natural gas in the state. There is this effort to uh, electrify every wheel that rolls. So we are increasing by regulation the requirement uh, for certain uh, kinds and types of electricity. Unfortunately, that is the electricity that is the least reliable and the most expensive. And so we're heading into the uh, you know the, the 21st century with an electricity grid that is increasingly unreliable. We're having these rolling brownouts and blackouts. Oftentimes, the state of California tells us that we've got to we've got to stop using our electricity when we need it uh, and turn it off because we've got to save the grid, folks. That's third world electricity, and yet we see that that you know r- regularly. It, it's because we have this ideology that is at war with the physics of electrons. The Democrats in the state of California think that they can pass a law to determine the flow of electrons. That is nonsense. Electrons are fundamentally physics, and you've got to have enough electrons that are reliable and affordable in order to keep the lights on to have reliability and affordability. I want people to think about this for a minute. Look at your energy bills. You are being forced to use less electricity, but you're paying more for it. Look at your water bill. You are being forced to use less water, but you're paying more for it. Look at your energy bill with respect to your automobile. You are being forced to pay some of the highest gas taxes and some of the highest per gallon costs anywhere in the United States, and yet you, ha- you, you, you 
are being forced to use less of it. Think about the policies of the state of California that say, we're going to help you uh, move into stack and pack, high density uh, places to rent and to live. The single family house is no longer, uh, quote unquote, popular with the legislature up in Sacramento. And what are we doing? We, we are creating a have and have not society. Nowhere in the United States is the separation between those at the top and those at the bottom of the economic scale is as dramatic as in the state of California. And yet we're being ruled by progressives who say we care about those people. They are doing the kinds of things that keep people in poverty and keep people dependent rather than freeing them giving them independence and choices and options to rise and and to move beyond just poverty in into uh, 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 the, the opportunities that we've all had. California used to be that state. I beg to differ with those in the state legislature and the governor's office who say California's progressive and wonderful. We're going backwards, and most Californians are beginning to see it. Well, and I'm, I, as you described utilities to me, you made me think of the analogy of this is what's happening or about to happen in real estate also with renters, landlords, and such. Well, and homeowners. So you're talking about supply and demand in utilities, and um, but we tend to think that those darn utility companies, you know, Southern Cal Edison, PG&E, they're the, the guys making all the money because they're the ones charging it. But really, it's over-regulation. Well, no, I, I, I have no—I'm um, not going to make excuses for PG&E in certain circumstances. And I actually think that when you are given a monopoly, and the state of California has granted monopoly to PG&E, they've granted monopoly to uh, SDG&E and, all, and others, there is a responsibility. There, there is a common good, a public good responsibility of those uh, organizations. And so I think that there, there has been some— uh, recklessness that we need to pay attention to. But you're exactly right. Why are we in such a difficult circumstance with our high cost of energy, the increasing uh, unreliability of our electricity grid as we enter the, you know, you know, 20 years into the 21st century? It is because of the ideological uh, dictatorship that's going on in Sacramento. What, what are they saying? They're saying we are going to energize a 21st century economy with wind and solar. We've shut, we've shut down the nuclear. We've shut, we're, we're shutting down our natural gas. Uh, we, we, there, there is a war on uh, in-state. Uh, I mean, we, we, we're, we're going to be shutting down our, our, our in-state oil and natural gas production. Mm. And stuff is going on here that people need to know about. And if you are asking yourself why is everything that is an essential of life in California costs more than perhaps any place else. Look to Sacramento, look to the Democrats, and look to the governor. That's what's going on. And folks, you need to wake up. When people tell you in Sacramento, we're doing something for you, you need to understand that behind all of that, they're doing something to you. And with that, we are going to our, our next commercial break. But stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. California, I've been blue since I've been away from you. I can't wait 
Till I get going, even now, I'm starting in a call Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and the choreographer. I was trying to find that music. California, here I come. Remember, uh, I remember back when I was a kid, um, Lucille Ball, Desi Arnaz, they were in a car, in a convertible, coming into Los Angeles, and it was the great thing, moving here to to uh, the great state of California. Here's a statistic that has come out of the California Association of Realtors. 30% of the sellers who plan to purchase a new home have decided to buy in another state outside of California. Um, Does that surprise you, Sandy? Not really. It does not. I think that people are just feeling overtaxed and... um, as Jim was pointing out about the cost of, of electricity, the cost of gasoline, um, state income tax, which is one of the highest, if not the highest, in the entire country, um, the cost it, it, it costs more to live in California than it does in a lot of other areas. So I can see why a lot of people are leaving. And, and what I'm hearing, it doesn't surprise me at all either. Um, because I've had a lot of listings that have said we're moving out. And I hate to say this, but the number one most dominant reason why they're moving out of state is not for another job. It's not for family. It's because they want to get away from the politics of our state. I think think it fundamentally is a move uh, toward affordability and opportunity. I mean, I think that's really the arc that we're seeing. Mm. And I've studied this a long time. So when I was mayor, we took a a hard look at the state of California's um, finance department. They did a lot of studies with respect to what people did and the choices that they made. And we saw an early on trend that we saw this this movement toward affordability that began at the coast. People had large equity in coastal properties. And yet, perhaps their income or their circumstances created the necessity to use that equity. And a lot of that movement was into the valley and, and into the more affordable areas in central California and up, up and down the state. We're now seeing also a movement out of those areas into places like Arizona and Texas and Nevada and Idaho. And it is an opportunity and it is an affordability move. And we are our policies in this state are forcing people to have to give up their family relationships, give up the glory of the geography of this state, which is gorgeous and beautiful, to go to other places where they are separated perhaps from their loved ones and they don't have the geography that California has. Why? Because they cannot afford to stay. And I'm telling you, the Democrats in this state, this governor and this legislature, they must wake up to these trends because if they don't, what will we see? A continuation of those at the top. And I'm going to use I'm going to I'm, I'm going to use the governor as an example. This governor is letting prisoners out of jail, but he has armed guards and walls around his own home. Well, personally, he's smart. <laughs> and he 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 says. Uh, you, you all have the, you, you all got to, uh, you know, you got to, you know, wear the mask, socially distance, and you got to stay home. 
Oh, and by the way, we have a reservation at French Laundry. Mm-hmm. No one hates political hypocrisy more than average ordinary people. They are told by their leaders, do this, and they find out that their leaders do that. A true leader walks the walk. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing it. We're seeing it. Mm-hmm. And I look, I, I, I hope that 2021 is a whole lot better than 2020 because I'm, the one thing I can say about the new year and, and 2020, thank goodness 2020 is over. Yeah. And let's hope 2021 is a whole lot better. Well, I think what I'm liking, there's optimism in the air. You know, and I don't know if it's because the vaccine is finally here. I shouldn't say finally, it came at warp speed, but there's a vaccine, there, there's optimism out there. There's optimism in housing, uh, it, and, and it should be, because the last time we had a housing boom like this, most people had no equity in their homes. They had mm-hmm. adjustable rate mortgages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were starting out at two and a half percent. Great point. Great point. Yeah, starting out at two and a half percent, but in six months it could be at five and then go to seven. Yeah. Now they've got two and a half percent fixed rate loans. You know, if you're a homeowner, you know what your housing payment is going to be in the year 2030, 2040. You don't know that if you're a renter. Well, you think about real estate and particularly home ownership. It is self-evident that if you make the right choices, save, do the right decision-making, that you can leave a rental and go into an entry level, the beginning of home ownership, at just about the same price, maybe even slightly lower than, than your rent. And peop- look, I think the best indicator of the optimism that we need to pay attention to is in real estate. They're not making any more of it. You get a piece of of the action. You make the choice to do it. You not only have land and property, but you also have a house that turns into a home. I mean, this is, what what is better than that? What is better than that? I think that's why Don and I have been doing what we've been doing for so many years, is because we truly believe that that's the case yeah and helping people get into a home is such a great feeling that is no longer a a a job that i mean that is when you get that feeling of how you've helped somebody and i often tell the new people getting into real estate that real estate is a really really hard job but it's a fantastic career yeah, the hard job was getting through the roller coaster ride of an escrow or or some issue that came up on a on a transaction. But the career part of it, the satisfaction is knowing that yeah. you helped a family and when those little kids look mm. at you and say, <laughs> Mr. Don, thanks for getting me my own bedroom over there. <laughs> that that just makes it all worth it. I'm gonna it sum sure it up does. this way. I'm gonna sum it up this way. Realtors do make a living but realtors make a life. And it's more important to make a life than a living, but isn't it wonderful you can do both? You know, you could tell he used to be on the radio. That's a great sound bite. But but it's true. It's really true, folks. Mm -hmm. Think about the opportunity. Think about what you can do for your family. If you wanna get up, out, and through generational poverty, save a little money, try to put a down payment, 
and buy some real estate and buy a home. And when you do, things are going to turn out pretty good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good for you. Um, I still remember the look on my mother's face when she paid off her mortgage. She was a happy camper. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she came from a government back in a country during World War II where they took her property. Yeah. So for her to know that, hey, I now own this thing, that <laughs> that was such a great feeling. God bless America. <laughs> yes, God bless America. And God bless all our listeners out there. We're going to have another good year in 2021. And um, thank you for tuning in and listening. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Assemblyman Patterson, <clears throat> also known as Jim. Yes, I was going to correct you. It's Jim. <laughs> Don, you call me Assemblyman Patterson. Again, I'm going to leave the studio, okay? <laughs> well, the show's over. <laughs> I'm going to leave the studio. <laughs> hey, thank you to all our listeners. Uh, talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>